0: Hi, Crime Junkies. I'm your host, Ashley Flowers. And I'm Britt. And the story I want to tell you today goes right into the dark heart of romance. In the late 1940s, after World War II, single women all over the country thought they had finally found true love. What they really found, though, was something much, much more sinister. This is the story of the Lonely Hearts Killers. In early January of 1949, just after New Year's in Amsterdam, New York, a woman named Mary Spencer is getting ready to spend some time with her stepmother. Even though Mary's dad passed away some time ago, she and her dad's widow, this woman named Janet Faye, still have a really good relationship. Janet basically helped raise her and they've always stayed in touch. And today's going to be special, though, because today Janet is coming to town from Albany so that Mary will get to meet Janet's new love interest. Since Janet's a devout Catholic who goes to Mass every Sunday, Mary doesn't meet up with her until that afternoon when Janet and her new gentleman friend Charles come over along with Charles' sister Martha. So Mary has Janet, Charles and Martha all over to her house and they all tell her about how they met. And Janet tells Mary how she's already started introducing him to her friends because things are just going so well. Like Janet's already head over heels in love with this guy. You see, he's a successful businessman, and since his family's from Spain, where he spent a good portion of his childhood, he's like a man of the world. He feels very exotic. Yeah, he sounds like a really great catch. This dude is a catch, right. Now, we don't know what exactly Mary's first impression of them is, but she has to notice the one thing that I think would really stick out. Charles is in his mid-30s, which is definitely quite a bit younger than Janet, who's in her early 60s. It's a little less common, but again, this isn't unheard of. So again, maybe take notice, but it's not like she's like, this is impossible that you guys fell in love. Sometimes it happens. There isn't a lot of information out there about Mary and what she does after she meets Charles and Martha. But we do know that later on that January, Mary gets a letter from her stepmom. The New York Daily News reprinted that letter in March of 1949, and Brett, I'm going to have you read it to us.
1: The letter says, quote, My dearest Mary, you may think I am mean for not writing to you any sooner. Please excuse me, for I have been so busy going and seeing so many different places and also doing much shopping. I am all excited and having the most wonderful time of my life. I never felt as happy as before. I soon will be Mrs. Martin, and then we will go to Florida for the winter. Mary, I am about to ask you a great favor. I would like you to call the American Express Agency and have them ship my trunk and boxes that I have there to me. The address is on the various stickers that I am enclosing in the letter. I would like to sort out many things before I leave for Florida. I am so happy and contented, for Charles is so good and nice to me, and also his family. They have done everything to make me feel more comfortable and at home. I will close now with my best wishes and love for you both, and love and kisses for the children. I really do miss you all, but I am sure that my prayers have been granted to me by sending this wonderful man to me. God bless you all. Janet J. Fay. End quote.
0: When Mary reads this on January 11th, she's instantly suspicious because in her mind, it doesn't sound like Janet. Some of Janet's friends get letters around this same time, too, and they all say basically like, Surprise! With an announcement that she's engaged to Charles, along with some other, like, super gushy stuff, right along with these same lines of how, like, great everything is, how wonderful life is, how wonderful
1: Charles is, and something about it just feels off. Yeah, but to me, having a different tone could just be from that kind of honeymoon phase of a relationship and being so excited about this upcoming wedding and, you know, going to Florida for the winter— Yeah, it could be, except
0: for one other thing that Mary notices. According to Charles Bell's reporting in the New York Daily News, the letter was typed on a typewriter. So not in her handwriting. Well, yeah, not in her handwriting. But here's the other thing. Mary knows for a fact that Janet doesn't know how to type she didn't own a typewriter and even if she did she wouldn't have known how to use it and again I think it's hard for people we're thinking like computer terms like it wouldn't be that hard to like press a letter but even like loading it making sure it has ink and how you do all that stuff I don't think I could use a typewriter well
1: and if you're not familiar with typing there was like an erase option but you would be able to tell that an error had been made yeah and she had to redo it so you would expect that from someone who wasn't familiar with it Right. So
0: between the typing and the strange wording, nothing about this letter is sitting right with Mary. So the next day on January twelfth, she decides to go to the police and tell them about this whirlwind romance Janet had, and she actually files a missing persons report.
1: Okay, you said whirlwind, but how long had they actually been together? Like weeks or months or days? Like, what's what's fast in a situation?
0: Yeah, so the timeline is different depending on what source you're looking at. One set of court records I read said that they have been together a couple of months, but another one said barely a single week. You see, Janet desperately wanted to get married again, and so she was a member of this thing called a Lonely Hearts Club. Basically, it's this matchmaking service that goes through the mail, and Janet literally just sent Charles a letter on the day after Christmas. And she may have invited him to come visit her in that very first letter.
1: So wait, she saw this guy's personal ad and without ever talking to him or exchanging any letter or communication was just like, hey, you seem cool. Let's let's do this. Let's meet up it's fast, right? And and honestly,
0: from the sources that I have, that's kind of what it sounds like to me, which I don't even think we need to tell you is kind of a big no, no, like everyone be careful with meeting strangers. But like I well, said, well, on top
1: of this, like, it's not even now it's The 40s.
0: Yeah, right. But like I said, the timeline's a little fuzzy. So they may have talked on the phone a couple of times, too. But with or without phone calls, this is happening fast. I mean, again, if this is the day after Christmas when they first make contact, Mm -hmm. by January 11th is when Mary is getting this letter saying, we're engaged and we're running off and we're going to Florida.
1: So just a couple of weeks
0: and I think that's part of the reason why Mary gets so suspicious of this letter that's supposed to be from Janet and why she goes to police so quickly. Like, like you said, even for the time, I mean, this relationship is moving fast and yeah. apparently Janet had some bad luck with the Lonely Hearts before. There's not a lot out there about how exactly things unfold for police. But according to the Post star, Mary tells police at some point that she found out Janet's house had been sold and her bank account is completely empty. What? Yeah. Now, there's nothing about if she tells them this while she's filing the missing persons report or if she learns this afterwards. Mm -hmm. But regardless of when they learn what, police totally want to find Janet and even have a little chat with Charles to see what's going on here. Because even if they're all fine and safe, like something feels off. But the problem is that both Janet and Charles and his sister Martha are nowhere to be found. Little do the Albany police know, hundreds of miles away in the Midwest, a similar scenario is starting to play out. And a new horror is beginning to unfold. Late in January of 1949, in Byron Center, Michigan, just south of Grand Rapids, some people in the community start noticing that luck may be turning around for one of their neighbors, a woman named Delphine Downing. They all know that Delphine's husband died in a freak accident when his truck got hit by a train and that things have been hard for her as a widow left to raise their two-year-old daughter, Raynell, all alone. Depending on which source you read, Delphine's anywhere from 24 to 41 years old at the time. But whatever her real age is, she's totally at the point in her life where she wants to get remarried and build a family for Raynell. And now to her neighbors, it's looking like she might have done that because Delphine has a visitor, a male visitor named Charles Martin. Wait, so this
1: guy was staying with her? From what I can tell from
0: my sources, yeah, he's staying with her. So
1: I'm like a kind of a history buff and I love especially the 40s. But this seems really kind of scandalous for that time. The neighbors didn't think it was out of the ordinary or kind of bizarre.
0: Right. So it it probably would have been a little scandalous, right, for a unwed woman to be having this man stay with her. But there is this little workaround, because when Charles comes to visit, he just so happens to bring along his sister, Martha. So they have sort of a chaperone. Exactly. So they want to make sure that nobody's getting the wrong idea. So totally above board, everybody's reputation stays nice and clean, and it's considerate for the day and age, right? So... This guy's doing the right thing right off the bat. It's unclear exactly how much the neighbors know about Charles and Martha, but Byron Center is a small town, so... You know, we grew up in small towns, right? Like everybody's kind (laughs) of up in everybody's business a little bit. Definitely. So what I can tell you is that at first, everything seems great from the outside. Delphine seems to enjoy the company. It probably does her good to have some other people around to help with Raynell. And Charles seems like a catch for this young widow. He's a successful businessman that Delphine met through lonely hearts. And here, I want you actually to read me one of their letters, this one specifically that she sent to
1: him. So Delphine's letter to Charles says, quote, Dear Charles, thank you for the thoughtful Christmas greeting. Christmas is so busy with its hustle and bustle, and the lull afterwards is such a letdown. It gives me an empty, lonely feeling. New Year's Eve, I kept the neighbor's children so they could go out, and the children were sleeping quietly when the whistles blew. Only noise was when the dog set up a howl at midnight. I've been having trouble with my old car. Maybe I should have taken the advice and bought a new one but I need to spend so much when it could be invested for Rainel to be used later. I have a nice two-stall garage, but when I cleaned out the shop, the tools and things filled it. But gradually, I'm getting everything sold. Rainel got a tricycle from some friends, and she's sitting on it now and really making a noise. Do you like children's carols? I hope you do, because if we continue to correspond, I will mention Rainel often. I hope I don't break the rules of friendship correspondence by writing you before I give you time to consider my last letter. Sincerely, Delphine. End quote. Okay, so this letter. She says she's writing around Christmas time. Isn't that around the same time that Mary and Janet and Charles and Martha all met? Uh, Not that the time that they met, but, um...
0: Janet and Charles were exchanging letters around the same time. I think it was like the day after Christmas. And I'm pretty sure he meets Mary like early January, mm-hmm. like right around New Year's. So from what I can tell, these correspondence are kind of going on simultaneously. And, you know, this is the only letter I have. But based off this letter, it sounds like she even wrote to him before. And she's like sending him multiple right, letters yeah. before he's even responded. So I think he's exchanging letters with multiple women around the same time. So obviously their correspondence went well, and at some point she invites Charles and his sister to come stay. About a month after they arrive in Byron Center and start staying at Delphine's house, something about this situation starts to feel a little off to everyone who's watching. Maybe they heard something strange, or maybe they haven't seen little Raynell recently. We don't know what it was. But whatever first set off this feeling, it doesn't go away. It only gets stronger after a few days go by, and no one's seen Raynell. No one has seen Delphine. And finally, on February 28th, someone decides to call the police. According to Joseph McNamara's piece in the New York Daily News, when a pair of sheriff's deputies get to Delphine's house that night, there's no one there. So they decide to wait.